Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. I believe in a powerful God. See, I love Christmas. Christmas was an introduction to the good news. Easter is that the good news now is in me. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus was born. But we celebrate Easter because what was on the outside now comes on the inside. And whatever is on the inside gets manifested outside. See, we sell it. when we looked at Jesus, everybody was rejoicing. They're going, hey, that's amazing, that's amazing. But Easter is what we estimated amazing on the outside came to live with inside. And whatever is inside will always manifest itself outside. So the reason we are celebrating is the breakthrough is in you. The answer is in you. It's not outside waiting to come in. It's already inside waiting to come out. Come on. I'm kind of torn between two. I would just love to keep worshipping. <laughs> Put a pause on it. We're going to get it back. Come on, let's give them a hand. You may be seated. I want to... I believe God's here. I believe God is absolutely amazing. We want to talk about the switch. It's going from one position to another. And I, I, I want to just encourage you to get a, get a hold of um, on our church app or whatever means you have to listen to last week's message because it's a continuation. Today, what's exciting me is that you and I have an amazing message and we've entered into an amazing message. I want you to just turn to, if you just have a look on the screen to Romans 1, verse 16. It is about the most prolific writer of the New Testament. And he put it this way. He goes, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. Through us in Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved to the Jew first and to then to people everywhere. You know what's really interesting is that the Bible, when Jesus spoke, he spoke in Aramaic. But when this was written, it was, writ it was written to the new believers that were Greek. Now, the way that the Greeks spoke in Jesus' time, we call classical Greek. Then you have modern Greek. You know, like classical English, henceforth thou doest come to the doorth when I knocketh. In other words, I knocked on the door, you opened it. That's classical English, right? But the classical Greek is this, is when Paul said this wonderful message, it was an extraordinary word that was kept for something that was so extraordinary. It wasn't just like that. Hey, good news is I found a parking spot. Good news, I could watch sport without being interrupted. See, we have all this good news, but this 
when Paul said this wonderful message, what he was saying that this is so extraordinary, so very unusual, remarkable, it's too good to be true. So when Paul starts to declare that I have a message, he, he opened himself up for ridicule. He opened himself up so that people go, you got to be exaggerating. Now just watch this. If a person is not under the manifestation of God, then when he says something that's too good to be true, then it is too good to be true. But when God says it's too good, it's, when we think it's too good to be true, it's, it is. See, you have been watered down to so much that we, when we talk about the gospel, we think, oh yeah, that's right, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But Paul was saying was this, is when you hear the gospel, you walk out thinking you are exaggerating. You're very quiet. The gospel is meant to be ridiculed, not because it can't perform it, because it's got to be too good to be true. And what Paul was saying here is that this wonderful message of God is so amazing. It's unheard of. It's unprecedented. There is nothing as good as. Well, you know, last week we talked about the covenant. One of the things we realized about God's covenant was this. It's that God's, when God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, he's going to give you the very, very best. When God said, I'm making a covenant with you, he said, I'm going to take the very best of heaven and I'm going to place it on earth. Now, most of you would know this already. Whatever is normal in heaven, when it comes to earth, it looks like it's exaggerated. That is why people are scared of grace, because you think you're exaggerating. Whatever is normal in heaven, so just think about this. In heaven, you walk on gold. Over here, we can only afford a ring. <laughs> see, when, when, when we start to get to heaven, see, we're going to be shocked in heaven. We're going to go, you, you're telling me that this came to earth and I never lived in it? Now, this is what we learned. Now, look at this. When God speaks to you, he's speaking to you in covenant language, not contract language. This is just quickly going over what we learned last week. The difference between a contract and a covenant, these are the fundamental differences. While a contract is legally binding, a covenant is spiritual agreement. A contract is an agreement between two parties, while a covenant is a pledge. A contact, a contract is an agreement you can break while the Covenant is perpetual promise. Every agreement you can take to a higher law. That is why in our nation of Australia, we got the high court. What's the high court there? That you can, if you don't like a decision, you can take it to the high court. And guess what? A high court can overturn any agreement. But God says this way, when I speak, there is no higher court that you can take my word to. There is nothing, there is no part on the globe that can do this. So what we learned last week was this. When God says, I want to make a covenant, the word covenant comes from where two parties come together and they want to make a covenant. So what would happen is we would get bulls and cows, we'd cut them down the middle, 
we'd put the sides on that, the blood would flow, and then this would happen. The two people that make an agreement, we come and we stand in the blood. So both of us now standing. So I want to make a covenant with someone. So I stand, we both stand. And what we do then is this, is we make promises. I promise that anything that you need, I will be there for you. I promise if you are, if you are in debt, I'll pay your debts off. I promise if you are in need, you can always come to my house. So you have two people making an agreement. What would happen? You get the blessings of an agreement. Then we do this. If I break the covenant that I have made with you today, let it be to me as the animals that we are standing in. So you get the promises, and then you also get the curses. But you know what was interesting? We got here in Genesis 15, 8, in verse 18. Abram, before he becomes Abraham, God starts to move in his life, and he says to Abram, Abram, I want to make a covenant with you. So, Ab- so, you, so to Abram, this is nothing new. So what does Abram do? He goes out, he gets the bulls, he gets the cows, he slaughters them. Blood is now flowing. And you know what Abraham is doing now? He's waiting for an invitation to stand. So in Abraham's mind, God is making a covenant. So all of a sudden he's there. People say, why are you standing? Well, I'm waiting to go and stand in the blood. And then I'm waiting for God to come. And then we're going to talk. But the amazing thing is God rocks his world. He goes, Abram, stay outside of the blood. And he's going, hold on, Jesus, excuse me, God, I'm making a covenant with you. And he goes, this is a different kind of covenant. This is the covenant where I'm making with you. So here's something that was so interesting, is this. The original covenant that God wanted to touch people. He said, God came in and he stood between the blood and it flowed. Abraham was outside. So what he was saying to Abraham, Abraham, this is it. My work is to give you the promises. Your work is to believe the promises. It wasn't an agreement that was between Abram and God. It was that God said, I will bless you. I will look after you. I will, I will. All Abraham had to do. You know what was amazing? Abraham had enough sense to stay outside of it. He didn't disagree. He just said, I agree. I agree. And listen to this. It is God that is cutting the covenant, number one. Abram doesn't pass through the pieces. Only the pot and the torch represents God's presence. Because Abraham does not pass through the pieces, he and his descendants are not not a condition of the covenant. God is responsible for the fulfillment of the covenant. See, watch this. Most of us still think, what must I do to get a miracle? What must I do to get a breakthrough? And God says, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. Now, I want, you to sh- I want to just show you the power why you need a covenant. Do you realize that punishment never produces righteousness? Punishment, what punishment does, it gives you restraint because of the fear of consequence. 
So, so uh, we, we need to understand, when we start talking about today, you need to get another picture of God. God never uses punishment to make you right. Think about this. God's making the covenant, and he's in the blood. Abram's outside. God wanted to change his Abraham. Now, I want you to do reasoning. The reason God stands by himself is this. is God never walked away from you. It's you that walked away from God. See, the covenant is not to get God to touch you. It's for you to touch God. See, in our picture is this, is that, you know, it's, it's God, the covenant is for God to touch us. It's got nothing to do, God's never, ever walked away. Do you realize you cannot get God to walk away from you, even though you tick him off? If God doesn't, just say, if God didn't like cricket, he'd still watch cricket with me. He'd go, oh, Ted, what's that? It's called a googly. What's a googly? I'll tell you later. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> the reason that God came by himself, and he says, Abram, you're on the outside, because I never left you. I will, I will, I will. So what we find is, so what we find is this. is the Abrahamic covenant is number one, is permanent. The reason it's permanent, because it's not dependent upon you. Second, it's unconditional. What Abram was told was that, listen, Abram, this is, I will do it, I will do it. Number two, it's based on faith. Number three, number four, sorry, it's based on the promise of God. Now, to understand this, you've got to put this in there. No amount of punishment will change you. Punishment, whether it's verbal or physical, doesn't change it. Come on. My dad said, Ted, you're not allowed to do this. And I, you know, I did it, he smacked me. Did it change? No. All I did was I didn't let him find out next time I did it. You don't go, oh, not me. Come on, at school, you get the strap. I remember my first time I got punished at school is I, I was in music. That's why I love music so much. We used to pay tippity catch. So what would happen, we'd come into the class and um, the, then the teacher would go like this, what's that note? And go all the, through the, all the way through the class and if you didn't know the answer, you'd stand up. So all the people left standing up got a reward. It was called the strap. And... So, so, you know, I, I learned a few tricks in getting a strap. Number one, you got to put, my teacher fooled me. I, I was, must have been so green. He said, now, stretch your hands out, tighten them up. Stupid thing to do. I, I figured out, go with the flow and tell them it hurts. But you know what? I got the strap. I learned music because I hated it, but I did it to perform. His punishment didn't make me love music. What he did, he gave me restraint that I have to study it so that I don't get the strap. So if any of you feel that God is punishing you, you are so wrong. If you feel that God puts sickness on you to punish you, to make you feel better, isn't it amazing? On the hospitals, we don't do this. Thank God for your punishment because you're going to be better. 
We, we use that scripture totally out of context. God giveth and God taketh away. The only problem with that scripture is we don't tell you what God giveth and what God taketh away. <laughs> now, then God introduced a Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant is to let you know that you are incapable of turning to God and becoming righteous. The Mosaic covenant is to, for you to work hard to try to put yourself in a position to be blessed. It, is a, it was meant to, for you to use all of your emotional, physical, material energy and come up and go, I can't do this. So what you have, number one, is that Mosaic covenant was conditional. You have to fulfill all the commandments all the time, 24-7. Now, if you shall, so now it shall be if you diligently obey God. In other words, was this this covenant, you received a blessing because you were good. But the moment you stopped being good, the blessing stopped. So the blessing was occurring in your life as long as you kept performing. Isn't it amazing that Jesus stood in the middle of a feast and he says, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know what he was saying to them? You keep working and working and working to be blessed and you're tired. You're frustrated. Oh no, I gotta go to church. Then gonna make us then then they're gonna make us put our hands up and then they're gonna do this. Oh come on, get it over and done with. Come on, have you ever gone from church and ticked it off? Oh good, I went to church, so Monday morning is gonna be really good. And you know, all of a sudden something bad happens on Monday morning goes, Oh, I probably did something wrong. Let me tell you if you're working under this system. If something negative happens to you, is the first thing you think about, what did I do wrong? You're living under the wrong covenant. The moment you feel, I got sick because of this. The, so the reason, listen to me carefully, the reason we don't fight so many things because we believe we're being punished. But the problem with punishment, punishment never gets you back to God. It's the love of God that brings us to salvation. So we got... It reveals sin. And number two, you need to understand this. If you're going to write anything down, it was temporary until the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant would be fulfilled in Jesus. So what God is saying is this. The temporary part was to get to you so that you can think, I am incapable of being right with God. Punishment is incapable of making me right. Doing good is incapable of making me right. What this covenant does, it says, all my energy, everything I have, cannot get me to the point of being blessed. Then we come to the new covenant. Now, this is where we left off last week. Is that, you, you good? Can I just, put, let me put a pause here. People go, why are we going over this? Do you realize, if you don't understand this, you will struggle with everything else in the, in the kingdom of God. Just think about this, right? Because what, 
what religion has done is we go, I've stepped into the kingdom of God because I believed in God. And then, we, then what we do is we take the Mosaic covenant, put it in the new covenant, and now we're trying to do what we did in the other time. So God says you got saved by believing, and then you get saved. So everything else is by faith, not by works. The Abrahamic covenant was this. Abram, all Abram had to do was to believe. Now listen to this. This is just before the cross. This is where we're going today. And they ate. And Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, this is my body. I just put a pause there for a moment. My body. He says, you don't need anything else except me. You don't need any, uh, praise God for the person next to you. But I tell you what, you really don't need them. I don't need my wife to be holy. She's tried it, didn't work. But God says this, I am your source. And he goes, um, this is my body, eat it. Then taking that cup of wine, he gave thanks to the Father. And he entered into a covenant with them. That phrase takes us all the way back to Genesis 15, where God entered into a covenant with Abram. I want you to notice something. It was not that Abram invited God to make a covenant. It's God invited Abram into the covenant. So what we have is that he entered into covenant and saying, this is my body. Each of you must drink it in the fulfillment of my covenant. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant. I want you to get a hold of this. That seals it. In other words is this. When you seal the covenant, it's finished. You cannot add to it, nor can you subtract from it. So God says, I've given you something that is finished and it works, whether it's night, whether it's day, whether it's India, China, United States, Germany, wherever it is, this is going to work. And it is poured out for the complete, everybody say complete, forgiveness of sins. Now I want you to notice that, that well, you know what he's saying here, just, just to give you a download. The complete forgiveness of sin means that everything you feel that is stopping you receiving your blessing has been dealt with. Everything. So you're going right now, you know, as Jermaine was going, come on, there's healing here. Do you realize that if you believe that your sins were fully forgiven, you'd be instantly healed? What God is saying here is what you think you have done that stops you getting a blessing has been totally and utterly dealt with. Look, look at Galatians 3.10. So we now, now we'll start to see what happened at the cross. But if you rely on works of keeping the law for salvation, you live under the law's curse. For it, it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everybody who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in the law. This is not a suggestion. A curse didn't come from God. It came from the devil. So when every curse that is on the globe today 
didn't come from heaven. It came from underneath. And God is saying, but if you are relying on keeping the law for salvation, you are living under law's curse. Utterly cursed is everybody who fails to practice every detail of the cross. What he's saying here is this. In Deuteronomy 28, it is the most powerful scripture. And the Bible says here, it's talking, it starts off under the Mosaic Covenant. And he says, if you can keep my law, all of these blessings will come on you and overtake you. I want you to notice this. Is when you understand these things, that when you understand the power of the blood, the blessing you are chasing will be chasing you and running you down. Instead of you chasing things, things will chase you. Instead of you chasing peace, peace will chase you. So it's an absolute switch. So what happens is this. In Deuteronomy 28, we are told blessings. But then it stops. But if you can't, do you realize there are 98 curses written in the Bible? In this part alone. And all of the curses have sub-curses that go with them. So the Bible tells us, if you think you can keep the law, you have all of these blessings. But if you can't, there are 98 curses knocking on your door, looking for an opportunity to manifest themselves in your life. You're going, Ted, is this the good news? Now I'm getting to the good news. So watch this. So a curse has a purpose to manifest itself in you. Poverty is a curse. See, when a curse of poverty hits you, you know this, that you are walking through the shopping center and you can hear the curse speaking to you. You can't afford that, 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 can't afford that. Oh, what can I I can't have that. I can't do this. I can't pay my bill. I can't, I can't. That is the manifestation of the curse. What's the curse of sickness? Oh, I better not touch that. Oh, what if I eat this? What if I eat that? You, you go, oh, what if I get sick? See, a curse manifests itself, and there are 98 of them. So I want you to see how powerful this is. If you look at Galatians 3.13, it says, Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the Lord. He absorbed the curse completely, and He became a curse in our place, for it is written... Everybody who is hung upon a tree is. Now I want you to watch this. When Jesus, from the Garden of Gethsemane, comes through the trial, the tribulation of everything he went through, and he comes to the cross, there is a transfer. So what does God do? So when you start to see the cross, I want you to imprint Deuteronomy 28. God's coming to a people that haven't got the blessing. So he comes in there. What's stopping you is all of these curses. So what does God do? He takes all of your 98 curses plus the subtitles. And you know what he does? He puts them on Jesus. 
So what God does, he says, takes them off Ted, puts them on Jesus. Takes it off Ted, puts them on Jesus. He says this, is cursed is he. He became the curse of you not being able to be righteous on your own. Just, just, just let that thing sink a little bit. Is that God became your curse. Now, forget about the person sitting next to you or the person in front or behind you. Take it yourself. He took your curse. What? You know what? I used to think this. Do you realize, just watch this. Going back to one of the comments I just made, that punishment never produces righteousness. Do you realize that that how powerful this is, is that means that even if you got punished the way that Jesus got punished, you would still be cursed. Just let that sink for. You think you've got to pay for it. What Jesus was saying, even if you wanted to die on a cross, you would still not be right with me. You know what he's saying to you? It doesn't matter how much self-effort you have. You can't do it. Paul gets in Revelation in um, Corinthians 13. He goes, even if I give my body to be burnt, without love it's nothing. I want you to, you need to rise up and go, there's nothing I can do. There's not a amount of any punishment. That is why God will never punish you to increase grace. God will show you grace to show grace. That's why God will never verbally abuse you. That is why God will never demean you. That is why God will always protect you. That is why God will always, always shatter you. That is why God will always cover your mistakes that no one else knows it. I want you to watch this. God never uncovers you publicly. Well, Mr. Fabiani, can you prove it? Of course I can prove it. Think about this, just, just carefully. When the prodigal son came back home, he smelled of pig. You could, what I believe is the father was outside and goes, there's a smell. Stuck his head out the window and it was his son. Everybody knew where he was. He was publicly shamed. What did the father do? He put a robe around him. He hid his shame. Faith Life Church, we do not uncover. Why? Because Jesus never uncovers you. So when God says, I took the curse, and I want you to show how powerful this is, is that everything that I couldn't do. Come, forget it. Not, not, even if I get punished, I can't do it. God says, I'm going to take it away from you and I'm going to put it on Jesus. I want you to use your spiritual imagination that every sickness that you have, Jesus took on the cross. Now, I just want to lift this up to another level, just give it a bit more steroids. Do you realize the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? That Jesus could have stopped making man so he didn't have to die, but he didn't. 
Just think about that. You, you, you know, if I was there, I would have given Jesus a warning. Jesus, if you create Adam and Eve, it's going to hurt you. So don't do it. You go, well, thanks, Ted. That's brilliant. You're saving me from all of this. How kind of you. I think you should make you the fourth Godhead. <sighs> Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and Ted. <laughs> Come on, doesn't it? It has a certain ring to it. Why are you laughing? <laughs> but it's this is that God said, I will take it because I love you. So everything, every curse is there. So what does that do? Why do we celebrate Easter? Is this, is now that Jesus took the curse, all the blessings are unconditionally yours. Think about this. The curse went on Jesus, so there is now no curse. You know, there was a statement that our Pastor Silva made, I'm still trying to get my head around it. She goes, when you start believing in love, you get no enemies. Because the Bible says love your enemies, so therefore every enemy ceases to exist. And God says this, most of us are so self minded that we are not God minded listen to 1 Corinthians 15 3 and 4 for I have shared with you what I have received and what is of the uttermost importance we're not talking about something that's peripheral we're not talking something on the edges it's the center it's on the uttermost importance the Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of Scripture. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead three days later, as foretold in the Scripture. So what you have is this, is that every, every curse that is written is called Scripture. And God says that I've taken those 98 plus all the subtitles that go with it. I have put every single one on Jesus. Therefore, it means this. If you go looking for curses, you can't find them. God didn't do this. Oh yeah, I've got to stop my kids from being prideful. I'm going to leave a few curses there just to keep them humble. Do you realize that the bank account of curses is now in the red? That means that the curse you are expecting doesn't exist. I'm just going to enjoy it. This, this message is so good. That's great, Ted. Thank you. <laughs> you see, it's this. Because, well, this way, when you have faith, you have expectation. What stops your expectation is because you think you've deserved something lesser. Now, as we come to a finish, look at John 17.4. I glorified you on the earth. Just, just stop there. How did he glorify God? What, what did Jesus do? He kept the law that stopped you running to him. 
He didn't have to go, Father, it's okay. Right now, you can touch your kids. He's going, now, kids, you can go back home. You can go back home. You can go back home. He's saying to you right now, is that how did I glorify you, Father? I have taken away every obstacle every from every single person that they can ride right into the throne room of God and tell you, I have a need. I need you to touch me. I need you to heal me. I need you to protect me. I need you. Do you realize what Jesus did? He made, he opened the gate. He opened the floodway and he says, now, Right now, there is nothing between you and God. So therefore, if there is nothing between you and God, there is nothing between you and your breakthrough. There is nothing. And, and I, I love it. And I have what? Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I need you to do something, Faith Life Church. Stop helping God. Oh, I'm God's little helper. No, you're God's little frustration. Yeah, come on. Oh, dear Jesus, I'm going to help. Oh, oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to praise a little bit more. I'm going to praise a little bit. Stop it. Stop it. What we need, what you and I need to do today. Come on, guys, come up. I need you to finally... Make a step of faith and receive the full measure of God's grace. Uh, but, but Ted, you don't know what I've done. I, I just had an argument with my wife in the car. That's okay. On the way back, make it up. <laughs> I remember like early in my ministry, we used to have the kind of teaching, is that, Ted, you're getting up to preach. You know, um, don't talk to anybody. Don't do anything because that destroys the anointing. Do you know what? The only thing that destroys the anointing in a person's life is being sin-minded, not grace-minded. The only thing that's stopping you is you keep thinking of what you haven't done. You're not thinking of what God has done. I now not glory in the strength of Ted Fabianic. I now glory in the strength of our Father. What you need to do is fully accept the finished work of God. What's Easter about? Watch this. Let's go back from here. That Jesus is born and he's doing all the miracles. He's doing all the provision, and it's great. And, and, and if you're around Jesus, guess what? When you walk with Jesus, you're, you're in the miracles. You're in the provision. You're in the peace. But then when Jesus died, there's this sorrow. Oh, no, it's finished. But the resurrection of God is this. Everything that you have seen me do is now in you. It's written in you. what I feel the Holy Spirit's told me. Some of you are beating yourselves up. Um, in, in, in some religions, um, they, they, people hurt themselves. They physically hurt themselves thinking that the pain cleanses. It had, let me tell you, is, is this okay? This is how some of you beat yourself up. I used to do that. I would beat myself up by going back thinking, what if I hadn't done that? Can, can I be really blunt honest with you? How many of you, I enjoy spas. Uh, 
There's one time I watched, I was spent close to five hours in a spa watching cricket. It was brilliant. But when God touched me, I realized what I was doing. You know what? I would sit for hours thinking back. What would have happened if I was a different guy when I first met Silva? What would have happened if this? What if? What if? What if? What if I was better? What if I didn't make that silly decision? What if I never did that? And, and I'm, I'm going there. You know what? I thought, I thought that was normal. And God says, that is how you are frustrated in the grace of God. If you are thinking, what if? What if? That is so ungodly because it takes away from the cross. So what does God say is this? Now, I will finish shortly. That says every silly mistake you have made, every incorrect decision that's given you this consequence is switched at the cross. Because what happened was this. When God put my curses on Jesus, He took God's blessing that was on Jesus and put it on me. Now listen to me carefully. So now you need to see the curses on the tree and the blessings on you. The curse has no room in my life. It has no room in my family. It has no room in my business. It has no room because of the blood of Jesus. The blessing of Jesus came on me. The curses of me came to Jesus. And Jesus loved it. What I love about Easter, what I love about Easter, Jesus is going, okay, I suppose I better do it. Yeah, I did promise Abraham. Why did the flip did I promise Abraham? I don't really want to do it, but I better go because I'm obliged. You know what the Bible says? When they were talking about the crucifixion, Jesus' face lit up. The disciples were going, what's, what's up with Jesus? He says, His face radiated. He says, I'm coming to die. I'm coming to die. Because as long as I am not on the cross, the blessing is with me. The curses are on you. But when the cross comes up, we're going to have an exchange. Right now, Will you do what Abram did? God was in the middle making a covenant. And Abram said this. I agree. I agree. Will you come into agreement? Father, right now, I just come to you. I want to thank you for today. Thank you so much for Easter. Father, I thank you for the presence of God that is in the house. And so, Father, right now, we just loose the grace of God in your lives. Father, right now, I will no longer revisit my curses. I will no longer recite and rehearse all the things. But now I come into full agreement that the blessings of God will come on me and overtake me. Father, right now, I just release this on you right now. I lose this on you. I lose this on your family. That the power of the living God would come upon you and that you get a divine revelation that you have a covenant that's unconditional, 
that's built upon promises that is received by faith. So Father, right now, I thank You that I don't have to work for it. I don't have to prove it. I don't have to do everything that I thought I should be doing. But I now live it. And God, because I believe it, I live it. So Father, I thank You for Jesus. Father, I thank You for the cross. I thank You for the blood. I thank You for the gift of Your righteousness in me. Father, from now on, I will live in victory. I will sing in victory. I will clap in victory. I will dance in victory. I will no longer am a slave, but I am a son. I am no longer bound, but I am free. I am no longer poor, I am rich. I am no longer sick, I am healthy. Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, we stand and give God a clap. Come on. Come on, let's give Him a hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. This is your victory. This is your victory. This is our victory. Thank you, Jesus. 